The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Today on NASCAR America, this is the week the sport looks back as NASCAR's throwback weekend at Darlington labors on. And speaking of looking back, one driver returns for the first time in over a decade and another makes a case for road racing credentials. Is he now the front runner for the title? But it wasn't the only road race or road rage this past weekend. Was the wild finish in yesterday's truck event justified or just in time? Welcome to NASCAR America. Hang on, boys, because, yes, the puns are already flying. With drivers Parker Kligerman and Landon Castle here in our NBC studios. And we are going to start getting you ready for Darlington in just a bit. But I'm guessing you guys want to talk about what happened up in Canada. Well, once we get past all those references you made and <laughs> Justin references, yes. yes. But, no, this was a finish that had the entirety of the NASCAR world, you know, discussing was it fair or foul what happened at the end of that race. Yeah, I, what did I, 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 I think I texted you and I was like, what are the um, overtaking rules in, yeah. <laughs> in the FIA? Because there's dangerous driving or avoidable contact. Yep. Maybe we, we need something like that in NASCAR. I don't think our fans would like that, though. No, I don't think our fans yeah, would like that. You it. guys have been talking about this all day in the hallways. I've heard you guys. So let's refresh everyone on what happened. This is on the final lap of the Truck Series race. You've got Todd Gilliland in the four, Noah Gregson in the 18. Yep, and Noah makes a move here down inside the final corner of the last lap. And Todd says, no, no, sir, I'm no cutting that off. And he, these two end up going to the wall, and Justin Haley goes on to win it. And this is the thing, Landon. Was it, was there room there? Was there a gap? I don't, I don't think there ever was a gap. <laughs> That's what we call a full uh, send. All right, well, let's hear what they had to say, Todd and Noah, after the race, on what happened right there. Can't thank everyone at KBM enough. He gave me an amazing friendly and enterprises story at a Tundra. Should have never let him get to me. Should have just given him the inside and maybe let him wreck himself. I don't know. He's he's done that to me on like five or six road courses. It sucks. Um, we had the fastest truck and we didn't win again. I'm going to have to talk to him for sure. I'd go fight him right now, but I can't. And uh, I just need to, I guess, get my emotions in check and go talk to him. But I'm extremely mad. That one's on me. I mean, um, racing for the win. It's my teammate. Um, I apologize to Todd. I apologize to the four team. I apologize to everyone at Cowboys Motorsports. But uh, we're in the playoffs and, and I'm trying to get a win. Uh, I was making, I was squirting the throttle right there um, in between nine and ten. Um, in between them, right there, and uh, just wasn't quite there. But uh, man, just just unfortunate. Um, that one's on me. Just uh, just trying to get a little bit too much, trying to win. Uh, wins are so so big here. I'm um, just mainly apologize to Todd and the four team. Wasn't trying to take him out. I was expecting him just to give me a little bit more room there on the bottom, and um, it just wasn't there. It wasn't meant to be. But uh, yeah, just apologize to everyone. 
All right, so expecting him to give me more room. And what did Todd say as well? I should have given him the inside maybe. Maybe I should have given the inside. And I think that's where everyone's discussing, right, is that was there really a gap there? I guess kind of, right? There was, there was opening. But if you look at the angle that Noah goes into that corner, therefore he goes over the curb. And he's completely so far to the inside he would never make it in the outside anyway. And I think this is where Todd, you know, maybe is second-guessing himself is that he was so – far to the right trying to defend the corner that maybe if he just gives Noah that room they never get together Todd goes around the outside and wins this race that's the thing I think is the discussion here that's why there's an opening for this to be discussed as a race incident and not simply Noah overdrove the corner and just wrecked Todd yeah I mean I, I think that I, I get it I, my, here's my position I get it I just don't like it right yeah. I understand what Noah did I understand the position he was in I really don't blame him for it I mean that's what he had to go for and I think as a sport, we're just debating that there were better ways to do it. I look at that and I think, man, I think Noah should have gotten behind Todd and maybe just center punched him in the middle of the corner and drove off, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, Todd should have given him more room. But in Todd's position, get that thing as far to the right as you can. And, and maybe if he tries to center punch you, you can just slow down the center of it or the middle of the corner. So I get it. I just don't like it. And I don't like how Noah did that. And I don't like it either. And I, you know, I, I get Noah's point of like, I'm just trying to win. Right. And that's something I think that young drivers right now really understand, you know, the, this current state of our sport. If you want to move up, you have to win. And this is a yes. playoff race. And it's a playoff race, which definitely obviously adds to the playoff side of where you're going to obviously advance to the next round. But also I'm talking about just in terms of sponsorship, opportunities, all these things. Drivers know right now if you get an opportunity to win and you don't take it, you might be looking back at that city on the couch in two years thinking, man, if I just won yep. that race, I might still have a ride. That, that's some of the pressure young drivers are under. So I get why he yep. makes a move like well, that. And, and, but I, I'm the same to you. I just don't like it. I don't like how you make that move and run into each other and spin yourself out. I, I, like, I like that what you mentioned, the situation these drivers in, and even these particular drivers, helped out, funded by Toyota, put in these Toyota trucks. Toyota has a, a lineage of drivers that are going up the ladder. I mean, these Toyota drivers need to win, for sure. Well, one of the guys who was there is our own Jeff Burton. Oh, He's yes. spotting uh, for his son Harrison. Jeff joins us now from his garage. And Jeff, going to ask you what you saw. But first, you know, Noah took to social media to maybe sort of try to change the narrative a little bit, pointing out um, how he was racing earlier in the day. But I want to know what you saw from your vantage point when you were spotting yesterday. Yeah, when, when Noah brought this up on his social media and he said, hey, look, you know, I, this move worked earlier in the race and he showed this part of this move. A little bit different, though. Ben in the 41, Ben Rhodes in the 41, he was beside Noah that whole time. So he wasn't surprised that Noah was going to be there. Uh, listen, I don't think for a minute that Noah Graxton drove in the corner and said, I'm going to wreck Todd Gillen. I don't believe that. I think he saw a hole. Uh, he aggressively went after it. And whenever you aggressively go after something in the last corner of a, a nine-degree turn, uh, things are going to happen. And, and unfortunately, you know, two, two teammates uh, ended up with a chance to finish first and second and, and did not. So, uh, you know, young and the restless, right? I mean, we got young drivers. I think, I, I think that Parker just made a great point. Uh, we have young drivers that know that if they want to keep advancing and they want to leave the truck series and go to Xfinity, then one day leave Xfinity and go to Cup, they have to win at this level. And if you pull that move off on the last lap coming to the checkered, man, you're a hero. If you don't pull it off and what happens happens, then you have to take the heat for it. And I really think that's what's going on today. But, you know, I don't, I don't believe if, 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 to Landon's point, you know, if, if, if Noah wanted to just wreck Todd, he doesn't try to get beside him. He tried to get beside him. It would have been a lot easier just to follow him 
and just drive him in the rear bumper and move him out of the way. And then Todd could have just, or Noah rather, could have just driven around him. So I just think it was two young drivers going at it. Uh, and, and, and that's what we want. As fans, we want to see drivers going at it. I don't like all the wrecks we've seen at the road courses. I think something needs to be done. Uh, the drivers need to take account for this. You know, four of the last six races at Canada have ended in a turn 10 wreck. That's not acceptable. That's not something we need to be doing. But look at who's been in them. It's young drivers going for those wins, trying to make themselves, uh, elevate themselves. And, you know, you're going to have that kind of stuff when you put this much pressure on young drivers. Jeff, I, I want to go back to that video that Noah referenced on social media and in that saying that, he you know, that move worked early in the race. Well, the other part of that is the 41 of Ben Rhodes gave him the room and was actually able to beat him to the line of that lap. So my question is, when you look at that, do you kind of put some onus on Todd who was in a similar position or could have given the 18 the room and maybe won the race by just driving around the outside? Well, Todd probably could have given him the room, but we have the luxury of watching back on replay. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're in, you, you guys know, when you're in that seat and, and you're coming to the checkered and Noah Graxton restarted, I don't know exactly where he restarted. I think it was somewhere around 8th, 10th, 12th. He drove through the field, so he has this momentum, right? He's coming to the front. He gets there on the last lap. He's really aggressive because he feels like he's faster than the four. The situation with Ben Rhodes is they went through there side by side, and they, they expected each other. If you're Todd, you're like, this is my first win, man. i got to do everything I can. i got to block. i got to do whatever I can do. So, you know, they don't have the luxury yeah, of he- looking back on this. They have a split-second decision to make. And there is not a doubt in my mind that Noah, down the back straightaway, made up his mind where he was going to put his truck. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. I spotted practice on Saturday, and Noah's line through the 9-10 section was different than almost everybody else's. He would leave 9 and kind of drive straight into 10, where other people would leave 9, stay to the left, and then turn to the right to 10. And Noah, this line right here is very similar to the line he was making in practice. So I think Noah, the minute he got that run down the back straightaway and picked up that draft and ran Todd down, I think he had made up his mind, that's where I'm going. This move right here that you're seeing, it worked earlier in the race, and that's what I'm going to try to do. Yeah, I, I, I understand Noah trying to defend himself on social media afterwards, but... Uh, on first hand, you just can't expect Ben Rhodes in the middle of the race for a sixth or seventh place pass to be the same situation as a Todd Bodine or Todd Bodine, <laughs> Todd Gilliland um, at the end of the race racing for the win. Um, I don't. In for me to Noah, it's like if you're explaining, you're losing, right? What yep. he said after the race in his interview, he was right. It was it was all on him. I thought Todd's interview was really classy. He he said the right things. But, um, but for Noah, it, it's just I, I, there's different ways to do it when you're racing for the win on that last lap. Well, and one thing I think that I just saw there when he, we showed some of that video of him racing against uh, Grant Enfinger is that you saw him, and Jeff, you're talking about that line that he was using where he was going very early into the final corner. But when he tries to pass Grant Enfinger in that same fashion, it's the, in my opinion, it's closer to what happened on the last lap with Todd Gillen than what happened with Ben Rhodes. He doesn't get the position, and he falls all the way behind Grant Enfinger by the time they get to the line. So to me, that's a low percentage move no matter what because he was going to have to force Todd off that racetrack to probably win that race, to beat him to the line. You're right. It was a low percentage move. And, and again, 
I, I listen. The dri drivers that are this age are not going to calculate. They're going to take a shot and they're going to go for it. I mean, that, that you, you know, think about it, man. You didn't see Bill Elliott, you know, racing like that on Saturday, right? But you're going to see a 19, 20, 18-year-old. You're going to see them do things that older people won't do. And uh, I, I think the majority of this certainly is on Noah's shoulders. I'm not in any way saying it's not. I think you know the majority of it is on Noah's shoulders. And in making those mistakes as a young driver, though, you have to you have to number one learn from it. You have to number two do everything you can to make it right. Whatever that is, it's hard to make it right. It's hard to take someone's first win, be part of taking someone's first win away from them, and ever make that guy feel good about it. I mean, that's a very difficult thing to do. But both drivers. Take a step back, look at it and say, what could I have learned from this? Take some responsibility. I think Dick Trickle was the guy that said, every wreck you're in is partly your fault. <laughs> and if you look at <laughs> every wreck advice. like that, right, then you can maybe prevent the next one. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I just, I don't know what we expect as fans when, you know, NASCAR doesn't penalize anyone when they wreck someone, Right. We've seen yep. this. It's almost acceptable at Canada in turn 10 to wreck someone. It's almost it turned into what you fully expect. I heard them on the PA system talking about it. You know, like we've seen in the past what happens in turn 10, right? I mean, <laughs> they know it's coming. And I, I just, I think that, I think that really, and we saw it in this, it starting to creep into the Cup Series for years. It was the last corner at Sonoma. It was a wreck fest. It was, it was ridiculous. It was embarrassing to be part of. I think these truck drivers, they need, to take, they need to take this, and they need to say, look, if we're going to be looked upon as great race car drivers, we need to, to race a little better at Canada. We need to not have these last laps. Race each other hard. You know, try to do something different than, than running into somebody because it's almost turned into being acceptable, and I think we need to turn it into saying, hey, it's not acceptable. We, it, just because you're on a road course doesn't mean you get a pass. And there's a way to do that, but, you know, at the moment, it's, that's not how it is. Well, Jeff, you mentioned that this has sort of become expected, that turn 10, final lap, what did you say, four of the last six. Um, yeah, the fans in Canada are crazy, but so are these finishes. Let's go back to 2013, two drivers who are now racing in the Monster Energy Cup Series. That's Chase Elliott and Ty yep. Dillon. And after that, Chase said, I had to win if I wanted to move up. Part of what I was saying there about young drivers feeling the need to win. Yep. Okay, so two years ago, Cole Custer and John Hunter Nemechek. This was interesting. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. This was the interesting part. Yeah. That's what it got really interesting. <laughs> that was the fun part. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I mean, once again, this is two drivers that tried to block each other in that final corner and end up getting into each other and trying to bring it all the way across the line. It was contact and then the takedown. Okay, Austin Sindrick and Kaz Grala. Yeah, I mean, again, the recurring theme, and Jeff mentioned it earlier, we see these young drivers in Canada racing for these wins, and that's definitely a product of all this. There's one more, actually, that you may not remember. I don't know. Uh, do we go back? I think it was 2002. Oh, oh. Yeah, the 1,000-meter final in men's short track speed skating. Oh, man. Oh, man. Were these young drivers, too? They must yeah. be, yeah. These were definitely young That's, athletes. It was Australia's they blame it on the, I wonder if they, Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, Krista, did they blame it on the spotters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what line... Uh, <laughs> Stephen Bradbury was uh, was running before that, but uh, he takes home gold after the field in front of him take each other out in he the got final corner. Arrow loose, no so, damage vehicle policy. Yeah. But yeah. very similar. I mean, and again, we talk about the fact not to belabor it, but it, it's a playoff race. If you're at home, you're like, wait a minute, the playoffs haven't started yet. No, they haven't for Xfinity, they haven't for Cup, they have for the Truck Series. It's sort of all bets are off 
Justin Haley now moves on, and he even said that. He said, I'm a dark horse. I'm moving on to the round of six. No, and that's, I mean, definitely the playoffs add into this. I think you heard Noah say, you know, I was trying to get a win to advance that sort of thing. And I, Jeff, I really agree with what you said before all that about, you know, the fact that if, unless NASCAR steps up and starts penalizing people and that sort of thing, then this won't change. Hey, don't forget Justin Haley in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've spent so much time talking about, you know, this wreck and it opened the door for Justin Haley, but, you know, what a cool story. I mean, here's a guy that, that has now moved into the next round. I agree. Like, he's certainly not the guy everybody's talking about being the favorite, but he's already, he, now he's advanced. And, you know, as good as they've run, they've made a huge step in the way they performed. You see him running in the, in the front five a lot this year, especially the second half of the year. We should not forget about him. He won the race. And, and it's being overshadowed by what happened. Certainly, he didn't have the best truck. He wasn't the fastest, but... He walked out of there doing what he needed to do to get the win in order to move on in advance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you turned the narrative back to him because now he doesn't have to worry about Las Vegas or Talladega. Oh, oh yeah. That's I mean, what a huge sigh of relief. Okay, guys, the lady in black is waiting, and you guys know we should never keep a lady waiting. When NASCAR America returns, we will focus on key storylines for next weekend's Southern 500 at Darlington and show you some of the throwback schemes we're looking for, and apparently here, we're looking forward to seeing there. <laughs> NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. NASCAR pays tribute to seven decades of racing and the legends that made them special. Don't miss the Southern 500 at Darlington Sunday at 6 Eastern on NBCSN. So what are the top reasons to watch this weekend's Southern 500? Is it the fact that Hanson will be singing the national what? anthem? No way! Breaking news, you guys didn't know that. Right? What are I, your reasons to watch? That is not fans. one of them. I, but yeah, Who doesn't love, was it Umbop? Um, 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 I knew you guys would know that. I knew it. Hey, it's like <laughs> our childhood. We're 90s. I feel like yeah. I've distracted everything. Let's yes, bring it back. back Let's bring show. it back. What are uh, the real reasons to watch? All right, so this is going to sound kind of redundant when I say the track. But I'm not talking about what we've always said about Darlington. It's the lady in black. You run up next to the wall, all those things. No, there's been some changes to Darlington. Just a tick that I've heard from some drivers in terms of them having to add some patches to the notorious turn two. And what's happened is, apparently in talking to some drivers have gotten to run around there, is that it's made it even bumpier, it's rougher, and it's, already, it's now harder. And as you see cars coming off turn two here, this is one of those corners that I think is one of the, very unique in the fact that I've had many a times in a race, maybe even over a run, where I've had to hold my breath and think, I'm gonna hit this wall. I'm definitely gonna hit the wall, and then suddenly at the last second, the car grips up and I don't hit that wall. And so I think going into this weekend, one of my biggest storylines is going to be hearing what drivers have to say about some of the patches they had there and if it is even tougher than ever before. Yeah, I'm sure it will be because I can tell you the, the, the reason turn two is so challenging is because you, you go into turn one and you actually accelerate through the middle part of the corner where you're up against the wall and then you have to lift again to make that final cut down the hill. And as those tires just continue to fall off, the car gets slicker and slicker. It's kind of like um, it's like a game of chicken with the racetrack. Yeah. You know, it's how much farther can I go before I have to let off again to make turn two? So yep. it gets just gets really rough over there off of that off that corner. I can't remember if I think there's, uh, you know, they bring the haulers across the track or there's a gate there. Or there's a lot of traffic and it just gets really rough on that. And so that now part it might be racetrack. rougher. Yep. It's, the, it's exactly. the key part. When you hit those bumps, sometimes you just you hit them and you're like. Oh, I'm going to hit the wall, I'm going to hit the wall, and yep. then finally it doesn't. So it's, that's really a tough place. Okay, the racetrack, that extra competitor yes. at Darlington we always talk about. Jeff, what about for you? It's the Southern 500. Uh, to me, 
the prestige, all the things that are the Southern 500 make it a, a must watch, a must win. Uh, winning the Southern 500 uh, is an amazing experience. I was lucky enough to do it. And, and the prestige of winning that race for old school racers is unbelievable. When I came into the sport, uh, crew chiefs like Tim Brewer, uh, guys that have been around forever, the Daytona 500 is always, the day, you know, obviously the Daytona 500, but the Southern 500 is right there. And winning the Southern 500 to that generation was, they called it the granddaddy. You know, you, this is the granddaddy. And, and it's, it just means so much to be a Southern 500 champion uh, because of the prestige. And you think about the history of NASCAR, we always talk about Daytona. Well, Darlington is really, there's an unbelievable amount of, of history at that racetrack. And, there's no better place to, to uh, honor the past with the, with the throwback weekend. So to me, just watching, being at, this, being at this racetrack, announcing, talking, hearing, looking, smelling, man, there's nothing like it. I absolutely love this weekend. Jeff, I've heard you actually say that you consider the Southern 500 the highest ranking race you've ever won. Is that correct? I've heard you say it before. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That's, I mean, that's, that's amazing to me. Of all the races you've won, I, the places you've raced. So, so... So when I look at the Southern 500, Parker, and I excuse me for just a minute, I don't, I don't brag much, but I'm going to a little <laughs> bit. It's all right. Um, so if you look at the winners of the Southern 500, there's, there's not many flukes. Like if you go look at the people that were, that were Hall of Famers, that were the big guys in the sport, those are the winners at the Southern 500. And there's very, very few examples of weird winners, the way you get like at the Daytona 500 with restricted plays. So... That, to me, is why the Southern 500 is so unique and is so prestigious by just looking at who's won the race. And, and you want to be part of that group of people because it truly is a ton of Hall of Famers, a ton of people that, that made the sport what it is, and, and that history of the sport just means so much to me personally. And you deserve to brag, Jeff. I mean, you've won the Southern 500. You get to brag all you want. Just this one week, then it's <laughs> yeah. got to stop. I know, you're not coming And then next year, the same time. Well, and so, that's the reason it's NASCAR's official throwback weekend. It is a little bit different this year. I mean, we're not necessarily um, representing a specific era like in the past three years, but this year, legends from all seven decades uh, of Darlington's history, 70 years of racing, will be honored. That means you will not see us with bell bottoms or big hair, well, except for right now. <laughs> Get ready to cruise down memory lane. NASCAR's throwback weekend has taken on a life of its own. It's one of the most anticipated weeks of the year. This racetrack has meant so much to the history of NASCAR. Awesome weekend. Honestly, they had to be tough to wear clothes like this. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> because people had to be making fun of them. Come on. <laughs> oh, you can't black flag the 43. <laughs> That's funny. It don't look like you really want to go to the pit road. Remember that when they couldn't get the king off the track? I love that. That's my favorite Southern Bavaria moment ever. (laughs) Now, what we will still see are great throwback paint schemes. Landon, you guys have a lot of fun, some fun stuff happening within your race team. Yeah, Starcom, we've got a couple good-looking cars. I'm uh, in the double zero. Yeah, I've got a Bobby Allison throwback there, which our team manager, uh, Derek Cope, uh, used to race for Bobby. And then Derek is going to be running the 99 car with a Bojangles throwback from uh, 1993 of himself when he drove that car, and obviously that's a uh, title sponsor of the weekend, so it's a great, great looking and car. And he still has the same haircut, so it's perfect. And he's winning a, a, a contest for the best throwback on, on NASCAR.com, so it's kind of cool that uh, 
I think the fans really like it. That is awesome. Well, yeah, because it looks so authentic. I mean, it really yeah. looks. Yeah. I mean, some of the throwbacks don't always look, you know, authentic. That one definitely does. No, it definitely does. Hey, I Landon. do believe that Derek is bringing back the stash this week, too. Oh, oh nice. Inside info. Yeah. Landon, I want to say, too, I, I think it's awesome that in, you know, recognition of this era that we're kind of celebrating that you were willing to grow a mullet. That's right. I mean, I, 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 yep. I think that that's, that shows full commitment, man. Thank that's you, full man. sin. Yeah. If, you, if you say it real nice, I might even just cut the sides down <gasps> for the weekend. Oh! <laughs> I don't know, though. Wait, you just said it. I think, <laughs> yeah, it. on national yeah, television. Yeah, I have to now. This is, this is everywhere. Yep. It's public so, record. Let's turn the attention. We're gonna, I'm going to help you out here. We're going to turn the attention to Jeff. Jeff, I know Matt Benedetto's car is going to look uh, really familiar to you. Yeah, that's awesome. Matt, Matt called me and, and said, hey, man, I want to do this. And I'm like, wow, that, that's awesome. And, and this was the paint scheme that um, like most of when, when people tell me my favorite, you're, you know, the, the paint scheme of yours I like the most. It always comes up to this. People love this lightning bolt paint scheme. So uh, it's going to be cool to see it out on the racetrack. And it's it's uh, it's really cool that somebody thought it was, you know, worth worth honoring that paint scheme. So Pretty, uh, it's going to be fun to see it. That's cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I love that car. I remember when I got that die-cast car when I was a kid. Do that you? was one of my favorite paint schemes. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah. I love that, uh, that car. See, and that's awesome. what it's all about. It sort of brings back those yeah. memories. You see that car. You remember where you were yeah. yep. when you saw it. So do you have a favorite that you're yeah. looking at? Well, on hey, the Chris, that stands hey, Krista, out to you. real quick, yeah. real quick, Krista. So I, I got on Landon about his, his mullet, and <laughs> that was his way of saying, yeah, I got your car when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, like he got that little, yep. that little underhanded jab yep. there. Uh, the one I want to choose is kind of in line with Derek Cope picking himself as his own throwback a little bit. I yep. like that. So another guy throwing back to himself is Denny Hamlin. I just thought that was kind of cool. Throwing back there to, I guess, some mini stock or whatever that he's yep. throwing back to. But, you know, he's going to basically, FedEx has allowed him to do this and have a scheme that, from his childhood. And so I thought that was pretty cool that he's doing that. Yeah, we always look forward to seeing, and you know, the teams get into it. We know we're going to see a lot of, it's just a fun weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's really a hard is. weekend of racing on the track, but it's a fun weekend to celebrate the sport. It's and not it's just only the Monday. cars, it's the outfits and yeah. the hair and everything. I, I would say just the coolest thing for me is that, you know, as someone who loves the history of the sport and kind of pride myself on being able to delve into the history all the times and, and watch old races and that sort of thing, I still learn a ton when the when people come up with these schemes and I'm like, wow, I don't remember that car at all or I I never knew the story behind that car or that driver and that I always find that very cool. So it's kind of like a a, a history lesson in real time. I love that. Well the the thing that blows me away is I realize how many people in our garage were around during those times sometimes too. <laughs> you know, I meet people and I'm like they're they're wearing a random shirt that has their name on it from 30 years ago, and they're like, oh yeah, I worked on Dale Earnhardt's car back in the early 90s or something. Yep. And it's like, man, these guys have been dedicated to our sport, or they've worked on race cars their entire lives. That's pretty cool. Really cool, Landon. That's a great point. You know, we we are we are so lucky as a sport. Think about it. We have Richard Petty in the garage every week. We have Dale Lemon in the garage every week. We have uh, the Wood Brothers. You know, they're around a lot. So you we think got Jeff about Burton in the garage every week, uh, and, and <laughs> Kyle, Petty. About, Kyle Petty comes yeah. around too. Yeah. Again, you know, you think about that. So many sports, you know, they're they're the few, the former stars, right? The people that built the sport, they'll come to a game or two, maybe. But these guys are there almost every single weekend. And I think that point you just made—it's so fun to see those guys, like people from other eras that were in the sport, come to this race. Buddy Parrott's a great example. You know, he crew chief Derek Cope when he won the Daytona 500 when, when Earnhardt had the tire problem. He comes to this race because he sees paint schemes that meant something to him when he was part of the sport. So it allows those guys an opportunity to be honored and to be talked about and to be revered 
and to be appreciated for the, what they did to give us all the chance that we have today. And that is a great point because it is so fun to see those guys walking around the garage, smiling and remembering stuff because they certainly deserve it and earned it. Yeah, and that's why another reason to watch our, our coverage on the practice shows, because sometimes you're just covering a practice and all of a sudden you're like, oh, look at who's over there, you know, yeah, and we yep. get to bring someone in. Yeah, there'll be so a lot it's to talk be a about lot of fun. On, on Friday and Saturday for sure. Yeah, and speaking of kind of taking it back, the history lesson, oh. if you will, on Saturday, a NASCAR Hall of Famer was back in action and a championship contender scored another big win. We will have highlights from the Xfinity Series at Road America when NASCAR America continues. On the TV, the 80s were dominated by Dallas, the Dukes of Hazard, the A-Team, and at a place where everyone knows your name. Michael Jackson started thrillingness while Prince made it rain, purple. And later, we started pouring sugar on each other. Is that right? I guess it's your prerogative. The little kids loved Care Bears or Cabbage Patch Kids. And the big kids at Darlington were Earnhardt and Elliott coming home with big paychecks. Bill Elliott has won an additional $1 million in Wow, that's my era. Parker wasn't even born yet nope. in the 80s. One year later. And barely. Land, look at who am I sitting next to here. Landon barely made We're it. Born in 89. <laughs> I, did you notice there Bill Elliott laying on the hood of his car on the windshield? No, I mean, why does no one do that anymore? We should do that. Bring that back for Dolan's weekend. Yeah, I, Jeff, I need you because I'm sitting next to these kids here. You, you would get fined if you lay on the hood now. Yeah, aerodynamic obstruction. I don't yeah, know yeah. something. <laughs> Some I, sort of penalty. I remember. I remember Bill Elliott winning, winning that Winston Million, and they, you know, all the million dollar bills were coming from the sky, and the look on his face was like, oh my God, what just happened? It was awesome. Just the, the look of amazement that Bill had on his eyes with those million, with those dollar bills falling out of the sky. It was so cool. Hey, look, what, 85, right? 1985? Yep. Hale Yarborough blew up right in front of, right in front of him. Look at this crowd cheering million dollar bill. I mean, heck, that's, that's I mean, that's awesome. It's a lot of money in 1985. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of money anytime. It's a lot of money right now. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> That is All so right. cool. So bridging the past and the present, it was really cool to see Million Dollar Bill back behind the wheel this weekend. He returned to the Xfinity Series for the first time in 13 years. Elliott was looking to have some fun Saturday at Road America, but on lap 10, he found trouble. Brandon Jones spun across the track. Elliott's car was damaged. He would finish 20th for GMX Racing, but needless to say, he said he had a great time. He said he hit everything but the lottery. Yes. That was his comment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, up front, Justin Allgaier took advantage of a mistake by James Davison to get the lead. Yep, and this, he would never look back from here, and he had the win in hand. An impressive win by Justin Allgaier. He Just incredible. the new regular season points leader. Here's how Allgaier and Elliott reacted to their afternoon. Four wins this season. You're the regular season's points leader. Can you believe this year? <laughs> no. No, I can't. Um, this team is... is Incredible. Uh, they, they never give up. You know, the fight is just absolutely incredible. These fans here were incredible. Uh, driving on the racetrack after the race is over, there's not an ounce of this racetrack that, that wasn't covered in, in awesome race fans. So this team, again, man, this is, um, 
I never would have thought we could have had a dream season like this one. Two road courses, Parker. Would you believe that? Not at all. Uh, so, so all in all, um, great day, and definitely uh, the guys on the box and, and the guys in the pit stop, they're the ones that earned this one today. You had your son Chase spotting for you. Where, where was he at on the racetrack, and did he help you? He didn't say much. So I, he didn't help me enough, so obviously he needs to do a better job because next time I'm going to put him in the car. Well, the real question for me, Bill, is are we going to see you again? I doubt it. I mean, this was a, this was a lot of fun, a good time. Uh, you know, these guys are serious racers. I mean, all these kids are really, really good. You know, I felt like I held my own pretty good for for what I for where I'm at in my career, you know, and what I was trying to do. And, you know, it's just hard. It's hard to put it all together. Well, here's your interviewers right here. Yeah. Landon yep. talking to Bill, you talking to Justin. So want to get your thoughts. First, though, hey, Jeff, if Bill can do it, I say you're next. Ooh. Hello. We need you me? I think he froze. He literally froze. The only Jeff. I was like, is my mic working? I didn't hear you. Say again? He wants to. I like that. All right, we'll go to Jeff in a minute. Your thoughts. You guys were there at Road America. Your thoughts on what you saw on the track. Well, I you know, I just want to say that Justin Algar there made a comment saying, Can you believe it's two road courses I've won at? And I I the reason he says that he and I were teammates at Penske and we kinda came up through Arca together and road courses were tough for him is the the lightest way to put it you know it wasn't his forte he'd come from the short track world and dirt world and some of these thrusts on these road courses but he has just blossomed into a great road course racer and, and really as a great race car driver and we're seeing a career a career year out of Justin Algar right now and I think you know this has been kind of building for a while because we've seen him at times find ways to take cars that weren't winning race cars and win races but he did it kind of spread out over a season or over a couple years and that sort of thing and this year he has race cars that are winning race cars and he's capitalizing on that. And when the opportunity is in front of him, he's striking, he's taking hold of it, he's not releasing that. And I think that's why you're seeing this resurgence in a lot of ways of his career right now because I think that he's, he understands how fast they are and he just he knows like that he has this one-time opportunity to go out there and win the races like they are. So uh, two things that you said are really interesting to me. A, career year, and B, he's been, he has that capability of taking a fifth or sixth place car and make it a race winning car. Well, I asked his crew chief, Jason Burdett, about that. I said, what is it about this season and what is it about Justin that's sort of coming together as a making a career year? And he told me it was because Justin is a lot more uh, he was in, in more control of his car and his emotions this year than he's ever been. So he's able to, um, when they have a 12th place car, he gives the right feedback so that his team can adjust it and make it a 7th place car. Or if he has a 7th place car, he can get him into contention, contention where in the past Justin uh, would get a little too aggressive or maybe drive over his head and or, or try to get too much where he's just been more under in control. And that's really setting up for, like you said, a career year where this guy over time has a great average finish, has scored a ton of points. He's in contention for the regular season championship, which is going to get him a bunch of playoff points to take him to Homestead. Yeah, he has the momentum right now, Jeff. Uh, we were talking Christopher Bell, but it looks like Justin Allgaier is really sort of rising to the top. Yeah, he listen, he's taken everything he's learned in the past, and th th this guy has been racing for a long time. So you compare the number of racing that, that, that he's run versus what Christopher Bell has won, and that's Allgaier's opportunity to seize on an advantage. Because he can take that advantage, that, that experience that he has, good and bad. Remember, you know, he ran the Cup Series for a while in uncompetitive cars, and I, that makes you better. You hate that when it's going on. When you're driving something that you know can't win, and then you sit in something that's really close to being able to win, you will be the difference. Because now you appreciate the opportunity. You appreciate that you have a shot 
you, you, the little things that you used to complain about, you don't complain about anymore. So Justin Algar is operating at his highest level. He's doing the best job he's ever done. And some of that's from his heart and some of that's from what he's learned and he's applying that. Uh, and we're watching it right in front of us every single weekend. Yeah, the Xfinity Series also racing at Darlington this weekend. So coming up, what were Austin Dillon and some of his fellow Cup Series drivers up to on their last off weekend of the year? We will check in on their adventures in our social pit stop next. Saturday night, just outside St. Louis, the final oval track race of the season for IndyCar. And Alexander Rossi all weekend looked like he might be the pick, but he had a big moment trying to get around Will Power early in the race and somehow hung on to it to survive. Meanwhile, different strategies played out late in the race after Will Power had gotten by Scott Dixon. He abandoned a three-stop strategy, pitted late. There's Alexander Rossi, who was saving fuel like he did to win the 100th Indianapolis 500. That was with 16 to go, but 12 left in the race. Power gets around Rossi to win it. Third win of the season. There are four alive in the championship with two to go. Headed to Portland next Sunday. And now Scott Dixon's drive for a fifth championship continues as IndyCar returns to the Rose City for the first time in over 10 years. Verizon IndyCar Series racing from Portland this Sunday at 3 Eastern on NBCSN. Time now to make a social pit stop. Let's see what some of the drivers in the Cup Series did during the off weekend. Jeff Austin Dillon was in attendance to see the Panthers beat the Patriots in preseason football. Did you say the Panthers beat the Patriots? I, I, I believe I just did. You know you're in Connecticut, right? So you're in, there's a lot of people that don't like that. I know, but it's a national show. Awesome. It's a national show. The folks in Carolina are going to love it. Uh, I, I want to get Landon's take on this from Brad Kozlowski, vacationing in Germany. Yeah, they're giving us a little motivational. I just Can somebody check on our boy Brad? Because I don't know if he posted a picture from the top of the mountain. <laughs> so did he actually climb it or was he just, you know, giving us Is this false Instagram, motivation there? Uh, influencer hashtag motivation. Yeah, Motiva Monday yeah. motivation. Yeah, there you go. Oh my <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Thanks, bud. I'll do that. Okay, Parker, oh. you posted this earlier today. What's going on here with, well, with KP? So this is real Monday motivation. See, I got this awesome throwback shirt of Kyle Petty's and then showed up to Bristol, was expecting a huge response from him. I didn't quite get that, but then I got the sign it, which is pretty cool. All right, when NASCAR America returns, we'll head back to 1950, revisit the inaugural Southern 500, where an Indy car racer from California outlasted 74 others. What? <laughs> The very first Southern 500, Labor Day, 1950. The race that put stock car racing in the major league. Curtis Turner was going to be there. You know, the previous year's champion, Red Byron. Herschel McGriff was fresh off his win in the Mexican road race. Bill France was there. Raymond Parks was there. So many Hall of Famers were there for that first race. 25,000 fans turned out for the show. On the largest and most modern stock car speedway in the world, 75 cars parade, ready to race for the largest purse ever offered in stock car competition. Here they come, they're off. Johnny Manson, this 49 Plymouth, and he drove for six hours and 38 minutes and he won $10,000. 
And back in 2009, Darlington Raceway introduced the Johnny Mance Southern 500 Trophy. The three-foot-tall, 40-pound trophy features the engraved images of all previous Southern 500 winners. This weekend has become a way for teams to honor the heroes of the past. And as Nate Ryan explains, today's drivers are living up to their predecessors. Americans in general, and sports fans in particular, pine for a hero. Achievement is the primary component that elevates those labeled extraordinary. But don't misplace heroes amid the mythology. They all began as ordinary. Along the journey is where that something extra is found. In 1965, the late journalist Tom Wolfe helped place NASCAR on America's radar when he pitched Junior Johnson as the last American hero. This is what the home folks came to see. Old Junior out front and still charging. In the time and space of the jet age, fans saw themselves in Junior Johnson. Fans also saw who they wanted to be in that bull-shouldered Carolina bootlegger. American hero, yes. The last, no. Other legends captured that hero's spirit. But where are we today? NASCAR is what drove Southern culture to mainstream consciousness. It was observed that some of the swagger was shed. The product of racing looked to skew younger, poppier, safer. The product, that's what some now saw. We beg to differ. Are we not still seeking those who will go places we never would dare ourselves? We today look upon the latest American heroes, Harvick, a renegade who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks in Bakersfield, California, a wrestler at heart who overcame the shadow of one of the most iconic drivers in NASCAR. With claim to every trophy on the NASCAR circuit, Kyle Busch brashly has channeled the bright neon lights of a headlining showstopper from his Las Vegas hometown. Then there's Martin Truex Jr., a fisherman from the Jersey Shore, who has shown us, along with his girlfriend Sherry Pollux, how to battle cancer with a tender spirit. Can you give me thumbs up? With scrappy determination, Kyle Larson has earned respect from his peers, from the crowd, and that bravado also earned him wins. He's the only African-American in cup racing. The fact that Bubba Wallace can stand under such a diverse spotlight warrants our utmost appreciation. Already a champion, Daniel Suarez stirs the spirit of stock car racing by aspiring for more. In Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott, a hero's journey transcends generations. Their pedigree is recognized, but their individual passion is not sacrificed. Yeah, baby, yeah! And then there's Eric Jones. While we may relate to Eric and the loss of his father, his guide and his biggest fan, we can only look on and wonder at his victory, his perseverance. NASCAR's heroes are not only of the past, and this is, at last, one story that hasn't been spoiled by a sequel. These latest heroes are doing no different than Johnson, Pearson, Earnhardt. They are chasing, racing, facing the same journey. And we, as their audience, owe them the opportunity to find the little something extra that turns ordinary into heroic. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles.
gets you ready for Darlington all week long, including tomorrow's show, which will have a special announcement for all of you NASCAR Fantasy League players. Ooh, also, Wednesdays with Dale Jr. returns to the Big Oak table with special guest Daniel Suarez. And we will cap it off with what will surely live up to happy hours all around the country. Fan Friday, live from the track. You're already laughing. Uh, well, I'm laughing because I know Jeff. Bur I don't. Are you back in the infield, Jeff? Is that the plan? At, uh, and it, it will be a successful Fan Friday if you can accomplish, witness, or partake in what? In blank. If I can walk up into someone else's motorhome uninvited, and we not show something inappropriate, that will be a success. <laughs> so I was just gonna say the story from the last one. For KP told me was that they all waltzed up inside this. You guys waltzed up inside this bus, yep. and then the the owner of the bus comes in and says. Hey, get out of my... Wait a second. That's Jeff Burton. Yes. Wait, that's Kyle Cuddy. <laughs> yeah. So it, as long was, as you don't do that. It was awesome walking through the infield and showing people, you know, that this was the bus. We walked up in this bus and the owner wasn't around. We just walked in there and I turned around and looked. And this bike, I didn't know it was, well, had a motor on it. And so when I started pedaling, that thing took off and I almost ran into that motor home. I had no idea it had a motor on it. That would have been good TV. I want to see that. No, are, I wouldn't have. Are those school buses nice? I've always wanted to see the inside of one of those school buses. Uh, nice is in the eye of the beholder. Okay. Yeah. They are resourceful and creative in how they um, equip their school buses, though, for a NASCAR race. Is that true, Jeff? Yeah, they had an array of bunk bed arrangements. Uh, some had uh, cooking utensils in them. Uh, there was a lot of fun being had in them. Regardless of the how they were equipped, there was a tremendous amount of fun in and around those motorhomes, that's for sure. So it was a good time down there. How do you think the Southern 500 crowd is going to rate compared to the Michigan crowd? Uh, I would say some of the Michigan crowd is underrated. They they party. They party That's pretty hard. They, they got a lot of party. underrated. In that, yeah. In that yeah. yeah. They do. So I mean, I can't wait to see. We, have to we know that. there's a there's a pig roast in the middle of the infield every year. We That's always see that. Yeah. That's a, yep. That's something to look out for. And we don't know who's going to win the race. We know the fans will be winners because of Fan Friday. We can't wait to see yes. what happens. That's all for NASCAR America. For all of your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com/NASCAR. We will be back Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for watching. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.